0: Christ is risen. Yeah, if you weren't here last week, you have no idea what that was all about. But we're trying to remind each other of the resurrection of Christ on Sunday. Watch here. So that you'll go out on Monday and you'll tell everybody you come in contact with about the resurrection of Christ. Why? Because here's the principle. You speak passionately. About what you believe personally, the more we remind ourselves of the resurrection of Christ, the more we tell others about it. Amen. Right. And so we just did just now what the early church did back in the day. If you study church history, when they came into the auditorium, they came into the sanctuary, when they came into the, a home where they were having church, whatever the case might be, They didn't say, hey, man, you look nice today. I love that dress. They said something like this. Good morning. Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. And, and, and they would respond. He is risen indeed. Why? To remind themselves we serve a risen savior, to get it deep inside so that it just comes out in conversation throughout the week. I love that. Don't you? Not good. We started talking about growth steps. So we're talking about believe, believe last week. That is the first step to following Christ, by the way, following Christ doesn't mean you tack a bunch of stuff on the outside of your life. So that you can get into favor with him slowly over time. Following Christ begins with believing in Jesus Christ. But once you believe in Jesus Christ, he has given you a mission. And and, and he's given you the mission to grow more and more and more into the image of Christ. And then to reflect the character of Christ to a lost and dying world. To help people find and follow Jesus. So what we're doing just like we did at the beginning of last year, we're doing the beginning of this year, we're going to walk through our growth steps one at a time for the next four weeks. After that, Lord willing, we're going to preach to the book of James. And so if the growth steps, this kind of preaching isn't your thing, well, we're returning back to what I normally do in preaching here, and that's studying through a book of the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. But this is very necessary in my mind to spend the first month or so of the year talking about these growth steps. And we're on this growth step called Now, before I jump in, I want to be clear on something so there's no misunderstanding because I could be really easily misunderstood this morning. These growth steps are not to be viewed as some kind of Christian homework assignment that you're supposed to do if you're going to be a part of Fellowship Baptist Church. Okay, we're not checking your grades at the door. Okay, they're not even meant to be a check and balance system that you use to make sure you're lining up where the church says you have to line up. Am I understood about that today? You get no gross steps diploma, no graduation ceremony when you complete the steps. That's not the idea by having visible, tangible steps. The idea is to simply make them visible enough to where you can get an idea of what spiritual growth may look like in your life. To give you some practical steps that are visible and tangible so so that you could constantly be reminded that I need to be finding and following Jesus. You can think about it like this. It's like a spiritual growth map. We just kind of mapped out some good steps for you to take in your Christian life. So now we're on the step of commit. Now, I know when I say the word commit in 2021, people cringe. Maybe even get uncomfortable because for the most part, and I think you'd agree, we live in a very non-committal society. Right. So in, in, in a report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, I read that the average American changes jobs every four and a half years and up to 15 times in their adult life. That could be a symptom of the noncommittal society that we live in. This noncommittal approach to life is, is really true today in the area of relationships and marriage. I mean, there, there are a lot of guys today who won't put a ring on it. Amen. <laughs> they, they want the benefits of marriage, don't they? They want the benefits of marriage without the commitment of marriage. Did you hear that last statement? Yeah. Somebody took over the show for a second, so pay attention to the preacher. They want the benefits of marriage without the commitment of marriage. It's true in how we spend our money. Like a lot of people, when faced with the idea of getting a membership at a gym or signing a contract for a phone or getting an online subscription of some kind, they could save money if they'll just commit to six months or a year up front. But because they're afraid of commitment, they'll pay more money by the month to avoid being stuck in something. See, unfortunately, this fear of commitment has leaked into the church world as well. They say in our country, 77 and percent of U.S. citizens identify themselves as Christians. But 80 percent of churches have plateaued or are declining. 195 million Americans are unchurched, 62 percent. 70 percent of Americans have no meaningful church relationship. Look at the first and the very last statistic. Seventy seven and a half percent of Americans say I'm a Christian. Seventy percent are not members of a church. That's a troubling statistic to me. And it's what I hope to address today. Because I believe that every Christian ought to be committed to a local gospel preaching, Christ-centered, Bible-believing church. Why, though? Why? Why can I stand up here and say that? Well, I'm going to answer that question. Why should you become a church member? That's a fair question. I'm going to answer it. I don't just expect something without telling you why. And and then I'm going to answer a second question toward the end of the message. The second question is, why do some hesitate to become a church member? I want to speak to those hesitations. So let's study together. Why should you become a church member? Several reasons. Here's the first, because I believe church membership is biblical. Now, some have told me this before. Pastor, I don't see membership anywhere in the Bible. And you would be right to an extent. I mean, do a quick... uh, I don't know, word search of membership in the Bible. And you're likely to get a message that says no results found. But even though the Bible doesn't explicitly use the term membership, the concept is is very, very clear in Scripture. In fact, it's implied at least four different ways in very clear ways. Let me show them to you. The Bible speaks of church membership in church gatherings. This is an implication in Scripture, church gatherings. See, throughout the New Testament, we see letters written to specific local churches. Who was the book of Corinthians written to? The church at... Who is the book of Philippians written to? The church at... The book of Revelation is written to seven different local churches. In fact, 90 of the 114 references to the word church, ecclesia, in the New Testament are references to gatherings Of people. Local churches in a specific visible place. And the congregations. On the receiving end of these letters. Called the the epistles to the churches. They were made up of individual believers. That belonged to those churches. In other words. Real people with real names. Were recognized as real members of a real church. Go to the end of the book of, of Romans. And there's actually a church directory. Paul mentions like people's names that were part of that church. They were not part of the church at Corinth. They were not part of the church at Rome. They were the part of the church of Rome. Now, now here's an important distinction. Um, the Bible calls these local gatherings of believers in particular places, it calls them churches, not parts of the church. Now, there is a greater, larger family of God that every saved Christian belongs to a gigantic body of believers. And we will one day be reunited in heaven as one. That is amazing to me. Like you won't go in heaven and say First Baptist Church, Fellowship Baptist Church, First Southern Baptist Church, United Methodist Church. You, you won't see that in heaven. Like the greater, larger family of God will be united under one roof, so to speak. But being part of the greater family of God doesn't mean that you shouldn't belong and identify with a local family of God. In fact, I would say that committing to a local body of believers is a way that you show you're actually a part of a larger body of believers. So the fact that there were individual local churches in the New New Testament implies that believers should belong to one. Here's another implication. We don't like to talk about this in the church, but it's in the Bible. It's called church discipline. So in Matthew 18, Jesus taught on how believers in a church are to confront one another's sin. Not on Facebook, by the way. We're instructed first, Matthew 18 says, to go to the individual. If that doesn't work, we're going to take two or three other believers with us. If that doesn't work... The person still refuses to repent and live in sin. Jesus tells us to bring it to the church. Now, it's every pastor's hope that, that, that when God moves us to try to restore a brother or sister who are living in unrepented sin. It is our hope that when I approach him, say, hey, man, let to do lunch with you. Hey, I'd love, can I talk to you in my office sometime? Just visit. I haven't seen you in a while. That's the first step of Matthew 18. The first step of Matthew 18 isn't saying, hey, just so you know, we're going to have to bring you before the church because I, I heard you did such and such. That is the last resort. But, but the very first resort is, is that is, is you just go, uh, the very first uh, method is that you just go to somebody and uh, if they don't work, then you need to bring a mediator. And if that doesn't work, then maybe you'd have to bring it before the church as a very, very last resort. It's called church discipline. Now, look what, look what Matthew says, because I don't want you to just think this is like a Baptist thing. This is a Jesus thing. These are in red letters in your Bible. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Good. Story's over. Let's move on. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, still stubborn, still unrepentant, still living in sin, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Now, does this process not imply a local gathering of believers? Think about it. If it's possible for an unrepentant Christian to be disciplined out of a church, very, very last resort, you never want it to happen. Then you have to first belong to a church. That's not too hard to understand, is it? If you're you're going to be disciplined out of a church, then then you, you have to first belong to the church. Which leads me to the next point, and that's church leadership. It's implied in church leadership. Hebrews 13, 17 says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. This is in the context, if you study the book of Hebrews 13, it's in the context there of church leadership. And so I think there's unhealthy church leadership. I think there's men that stand behind pulpits and call themselves pastors that think they ought to be in everybody's business. And think that they ought to be God in people's life. And think that they ought to take place of the Holy Spirit and tell you, you can't do that, you have to do this, you can't do that. Yeah, I'm talking about things not clear in scripture. They think that they have to tell you everything about life. Not true. That's unhealthy leadership. However, there is such thing as healthy church leadership. Where shepherds are gently and sometimes boldly guiding you in the path of righteousness. And the Bible says, as God is giving you healthy church leadership, then you should submit yourself. to to that leadership and to that oversight. They're trying to watch out for your soul. That doesn't mean you don't have an opinion. That doesn't mean you don't have individual soul liberty. That doesn't mean you don't have a personal relationship with Christ. That doesn't mean you have to come to me in order for me to get a hold of God for you. It just simply means that that as we preach and declare and teach the Word of God, not our own opinions, but the Word of God, that you submit to that Word of God. But, listen, I won't give an account for, for... Christians that live a thousand miles away and go to First Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm not their pastor. So doesn't this imply that that if I will give an account for the people that are in my flock, doesn't this imply like you got to be a member of a church? You got to belong to a group, right? Uh, Because I don't have the right to to oversee another church's members. Uh, Here's the last one I would say, and it's church metaphors. So there's a lot of metaphors that are used in the New Testament for the church. I'll give you three. Uh, The first one is, is a metaphor of a body. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being member are one body, so also is Christ. For the body is not one member, but many. But now are they many members, yet but one body. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And so each person then with this metaphor is a body part in the church. Some are an arm, some are a leg, some are a hand, some are a foot, some are a a thumb. Some are the big toe. You know what I mean? Some are a pain in the side, that kind of thing. Just kidding. (laughs) A, A body part, if you think about it, detached from the rest of its body is not beautiful. It's gruesome, actually. That's what it might look like for a Christian to refuse to join a local church and arm flopping around on the ground. Arms don't last long when they're detached from the blood flow of the body. A, stri- a, a Christian will struggle, I believe, unless attached to a body of believers. To be what God designed you to be, you need to figure out which body you're going to be attached to. And then join yourself to that body by becoming a member of it. A member in particular. 1 Peter 5, 2 is another metaphor of a flock. Feed the flock of God. It's talking to pastors. Feed the flock of God, which is among, among you. It's never a good thing for sheep to go solo looking for greener grass. Now, just, just, read, just read books on sheep and shepherding and all that. Rogue sheep are easy prey. Sheep need to stay inside of the safety of a flock. So, so membership, I believe, helps keep us gathered with other sheep under the protection of the shepherd. I mean, think about it. What, what kind of shepherd doesn't know which particular sheep the owner has entrusted to him? Memberships Like I have a database with the church members on it. I pray for every church member once a week by name. I could never do that if we didn't have a church role. If, if I didn't have a flock, like I can't keep track of the sheep that I'm responsible to help graze and gather and guide and guard. I couldn't do that if I didn't have a membership process. Ephesians 2.19 is the last one I'll use now. Therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. It's, it's implied in the, the metaphor of a family. Now think about this. What kind of parent would you be if you didn't know which children on your block were you were responsible for? Like you didn't know which one you're supposed to feed at supper time or which ones should be in your house at bedtime. I mean, listen, I don't discipline the kids down the street. I mean, sometimes I want to discipline Sam King. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <Just> good. <kidding. laughs> I discipline Kevin Prater. And Todd, you can discipline Kevin Prater too. You have my permission. It's unsafe to be a kid in a neighborhood without parents and without a home. Membership helps church leaders know who belongs to the household. It helps family members know where to go when they need rest. And they need nourishment. And they need encouragement. And they need counsel. They go to their church. Family. Now, there's several ways that I could, I, I could say that church membership is implied and applied in the New Testament. But I think that's sufficient for now. Here's a second reason why I think that you should join a church. Because God led you to join a specific church. Now, let's reason together. Fellowship Baptist Church is unique in several ways to any other church in our community. There's some nuance to our church as compared to other churches. But we aren't the only gospel preaching church in our town. Okay. Which implies that it could very well be God's will. Some people in the conservative Baptist church hate this next statement. But it could very well be God's will for somebody in our town to be a member of another gospel preaching church in our town. Oh, absolutely. You'll see him in heaven. So get along with them now. You don't join a church simply because you like it or your kids like it. That's called consumerism. You join a church because God has led you to join that specific church and you're convinced of his leading. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 speaks to this. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. Brother Kay was praying with uh, he worded our prayer in our deacons meeting this morning. And one of the things that he prayed, I think, Brother K, is probably in reference to this verse, his knowledge of this verse. When we're praying for maybe folks that are visiting our church and Brother K prayed, God, we want the members that you want to be part of our church. And God, the members where it would be unhealthy for them or us, for them to be a member of our church, lead them to another place. Right. That's a good prayer to pray. Now, I understand that God's leading may be a vague term. Again, I don't like Christian needs because Christian needs means everybody's supposed to understand what you mean by, hey, God, God is leading me. That's so subjective, is it not? And so let me let me put some some meat to that, some some tangibility to that. Uh, God might be leading you to join a church when the church in question has doctrine that lines up with the Bible and doctrine that you can agree with. And that doesn't mean that we agree on every jot and tittle of doctrine. That's going to be impossible. That's not unity, that's uniformity. So there can be some nuance, but there still needs to be a unity in the major doctrines of the faith. When the church, number two, God might be leading you to join a church. When when the church in question can spiritually benefit your entire family. Not to be confused with, does this have my favorite church program? Right? I mean, I love the music, the children's ministry. They've got a pretty good nursery. Got great door greeters. Uh, it's safe. We have security ministry everywhere around here, every service like it's, it's really good stuff. Everything's good but the preaching. Right. So I, I think that that you would you would have reason to say, oh, I really like that or I like this. And that's OK. That's good. That's great. But it, it's got to be deeper than that. It's got to be, hey, I can spiritually grow in this place. God might be leading you. Number three, when you commit yourself to being an active role in the church. So when you can commit to saying I'm not going to be a spectator, I'm going to be the participant. And you can say, I can get on board with the mission of that church. Man, I like what they do with liberal love. I like what they do with supporting missionaries. I like what they do with running bus routes to to, to parts of the community where where kids would never be able to come to church without a ride. I I, I really like what they do in vacation Bible school and reaching out. I like what they do with connection groups and taking a larger church and and making it small. And and, and I really like what they do with expositional preaching. And I I like meaningful God-centered holy worship that's not worldly or carnal. And and I I can commit to being an active role, playing an active role in that that church. Okay, here's, here's one more. When you're willing to meet the requirements of joining that church, that's when you know God is leading you to do that. Now, that there's flexibility in scripture to how local churches seek to implement a healthy membership process, but every church has a process. Some churches have very clear membership structures in place, like we do here at Fellowship, where you could go through first steps and kind of learn what that's like. Others have a less formalized approach. Either way, you need to evaluate the membership process and see if it's something you're comfortable with based on your study of Scripture. And let me say this. If for some reason you're not comfortable joining Fellowship Baptist Church right now, for for whatever reason, but you still love our church and love worshiping with us every week, you are as welcome to continue to do that as any other official member of our church. I know that joining a church is is a humongous step That people need to take a while to process and some longer than others before you feel you're ready to take that step. I sincerely as the pastor of this church hope that if God's leading here, you'll make that decision by faith sooner than later. But until you do, hear me please, feel welcomed here. Feel loved here. Feel accepted here. We're not checking membership cards at the door. You're welcome here. Here's another reason why you should commit to church membership. Number three, because the church provides accountability in two ways. Accountability from church leadership and accountability from church members. Look what Paul says, or or, or Peter says rather, about accountability from a pastor. He says, feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. So if, if you're a member of a church, then, then you kind of get that pastoral oversight in your life. Hebrews 13, 17 speaks, obey them and have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they, pastors, they watch for your souls. How do pastors do this? Well, Acts 6 foretells us. But we pastors will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. I can spur you on to spiritual growth. Our pastoral staff can spur you on to spiritual growth. We can care for your spiritual soul how? Through Bible preaching and intercessory prayer. Just a perk of being a church member. But you also get accountability from other church members, according to Hebrews 10.24. And let us, church members, consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Wouldn't you agree? You do better in any area of life if you have accountability, don't you agree with that? Right. So, so, so when people are going to work out, um, usually people that just try to teach themselves the lifting techniques and running techniques and all this don't do as good as as if they have a personal trainer. If they go to YouTube and watch an expert or they, 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 they go to a CrossFit box where they, they can, they can have somebody that's an expert in that type of workout. Why? Because they need accountability or, or they, they just pair themselves up with somebody that has worked out for a really long time. And can help them uh, along the way. That's called accountability. We, we do this with our finances. A lot of us hire financial advisors that, that, that can help us make good decisions with our money. Well, fellow church members can help you walk close to Christ. They can spur you on and provoke you to love and good works. If you stay on the fringe of a church and you never really get in the deep end of a church by way of membership and involvement, well, you're kind of missing out on some of that provoking, right? Yeah. Accountability is is a benefit of church membership. Let me give you another one. Church membership connects you to a covenant community. Right? A covenant community I mean that's dealing with, with kind of the, the spiritual health. Of a church. We 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 have something in common as a church that maybe no other nonprofit organization in the world has, and, and that's this: we are, we are drawn together, all the diversity in this place, and, and spiritual backgrounds, and spiritual maturation levels, and, and economic status, and social status, we're all brought together by one thing: the Lord Jesus Christ. We are in covenant together because we have all placed our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you enter that covenant by way of church membership. You know what you get inside a covenant community? You get love. Like, like, like you're supposed to get unconditional love. Not tolerance of sin, but a group of people that loves you even when you sin. You get grace. Talk about it tonight. When you fall, when you fell, when you trip, when you stumble, when you make a mess of things. Guess what you should be able to find in a healthy church? Grace and restoration. You know what else you find in a covenant community? You just find basic help. Help. In our small group today, our connection group today, we we had people raising their hands saying, hey, would you pray for this? And would you pray for that? And would you pray for this? Listen, I I serve on two nonprofit boards in our town and we do not take prayer requests before we start our meetings. It's not a covenant community. It's a good cause, I'm gonna stay involved, but it's not a covenant community. In this place, you you get prayerful help. Incessary prayer, that, that's just a, that's a, that's a difference. Okay, let me give you one more. and This will be brief. Church membership facilitates ministry involvement. So when you're a church member, you have an opportunity to use your gifts and your talents to edify the body. And, and, and the Bible is clear that every church member should be a serving church member. We're going to talk about that in the last growth step. Not, a, not just a sitting church member, but a serving church member. And so when you, when you join the church, we can better enlist you in the mission of helping people find and follow Jesus. If you're not a church member, you can still help people find and follow Jesus, no doubt. But boy, I would rather serve in an army of, of 300 than an army of two or an army of one. You'll be more effective for the kingdom if, if you join a church and, and use your gifts in that way. So I think that's a pretty thorough case for why you should become a church member. It's biblical. It's biblical. If God has led you to join, provides accountability, connects you to a covenant community and it facilitates ministry involvement. Here's what I found to be true. I can lay out a case like that and people are still very, very hesitant. I, I can lay out a case and people are like, oh, man, I, 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 it's hard to disagree with those things. But, but I still am very hesitant. Why? Why? Well, in my years of ministry, I've learned several things. Here's the first. Some people just fear commitment. They just fear commitment. I talked this uh, about this at the beginning of the message. I want to dig into it a little bit more. A year ago when I preached this, I told you of my struggle to commit to Jenny Lee when I first met her. I mean, I was in love. I thought she was beautiful. But she was a, she, she was a year f- uh, further than me in college. And I felt like she was like five years further than me in maturity. Like, I hadn't dated much in high school, not because the girls didn't like me. They all liked me. My parents just didn't let me date. I was a good, obedient child. And so I was, I was inexperienced in the world of, of dating, courtship, and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I, I get to this Bible college, and I, I meet this pastor's daughter from Texas, and she's a blonde, and she can sing, and, and we share a lot of things in common, and, and it's, it's amazing. And I feel like I fall in love almost immediately, but but then she falls in love too is the problem. And she she love to her doesn't mean like we're just gonna hang out on campus. Love means like when you're putting a ring on it. I'm like I met you eight hours ago, Jenny. Give me some time. But really, I felt overwhelmed because I'm like, oh man, this is scary. Like she wants to commit and I just want to date. You know there's a difference, right? So she wanted to talk about deep stuff, and I just I just kind of wanted to talk, just talk, just talk, come watch me play basketball and and we can talk about it on the way back to the dorm and then say goodbye, and we'll just kind of let this thing naturally grow, and she's like let's just have a wedding right now <laughs> and it scared me, and so as, as a result of my fear of commitment I, and and thats not being on the same page, like like I escaped that commitment like three three or four different times, maybe a couple more, but i I like literally the 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 relationship ended and they got back together and ended and got back together and ended and um, I mean poor Jenny is, it was tough tough for her and it's because I just wanted to date her well some people just want to date the church they just want to date the church they don't want to commit to the church it's not that they're they're fearful of commitment in their life because they, they do commit to things they commit to their job they commit to saving for retirement they commit to their kids' sports. I mean, I, I do all those things. But, but they, when it comes to church, it can just be scary for whatever reason for them to really commit to that. They just kind of want to date. It's way, way easier. And so they, they get really close and then they stop. They get really close and they stop. Get really close. And, and this is where I would challenge you to, to make sure that if you can commit to all kinds of secular things, you can commit to God's church. It's just going to require faith. If you're waiting to like feel ready, then there's going to be a lot of breakups. And you don't have to go through that. You don't have to go through that. Here's another hesitation. Some just have the wrong mindset about church in general. They have an individualistic mindset, or they have a consumeristic mindset, or they have an incomplete mindset. An individualistic mindset is, is somebody that's like, I do life by myself. It's Lone Ranger. Self-reliant, self-made, self-sufficient. Uh, it's more about independence than interdependence. So... So, so the, the concept of mutual dependence upon fellow believers, that's not appealing. That's actually unappealing. The concept of mutual submission to fellow believers and the church leadership, that's not appealing. The concept of mutual accountability is definitely not appealing. They don't need others to thrive. They're individualistic. That, that's an incomplete mindset. There's a consumeristic mindset. So they think of church like a day spa. I go to be served, not to serve. And so long as I put my offering in, then I can sleep at night. They think of the church like Amazon Prime. i got to find the church with the best package deal. Best preaching, best music, best children's programs. Until I find it, I'm going to keep shopping. When someone have, has a consumer's mindset where church is all about receiving, then the idea of contributing and serving and enlisting and sacrificing is just not appealing to them at all. Then, then there's this incomplete mindset about church um, when, when it comes to, uh, what did I say is third yeah, just an incomplete mindset. So what I mean by that is they view church like they would, they would view like a nonprofit board that they serve on. Like United Way or um, I serve on LEED, Leadership Liberal um, or USD 480 School Board or I mean Hospital Board, whatever. So they say the church is a really good organization and they're doing really good things and if I have time then I'll commit to that. But, but, I've got to say on the authority of God's word, the church really isn't just an organization. It's not a club. It's not just something ran by a board of directors. Like, like the church is referred to as, as the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says that Jesus gave his life for the church. And so you've got to recognize that there is a difference, right? Between a nonprofit organization out in, your, out in our town, and then an actual church, and so it's incomplete. They might not join because they think, "Oh, it's a, it's a great place. I love that place. I go on Easter and I go on Christmas and I go on, sometimes on special days and all that. I love the music. I love my kids love it and all that." But they don't view it as something that is essential. It's, it's more optional. Here's the third hesitation, and I'll wrap it up. Some people are just skeptical of church. And that's okay, by the way. Because people have genuinely been hurt in churches. And for us to be hardened to that is, is incredibly insensitive. Um, for them, based on their past church experience, it's much easier to just attend. It's safer that way. To join and be vulnerable like that again... Is, I mean, they got to take a deep breath. <laughs> That's hard. That's scary for them. Maybe some have seen church scandals. Whether that involves sexual immorality, sexual abuse, financial corruption, a pastor that abused his authority. And so they're skeptical of all churches because of what they know about some churches. It is true. Maybe some have just seen one too many church hypocrites. They work with so-called church members, but those people are no different than they are. I'm just telling you why people are skeptical. I'm not saying that all of this is right. They just are. They, they say, well, they hang out with, <laughs> I hang out with so-called church members on the weekends, and they do the same things I do. And so they're not going to be drawn, their hang-up might be, I'm not going to be drawn to, like, a place full of hypocrites. Let me help you with that, kindly. And you know this, but you'll never find a perfect church. If you do, don't join it or you'll mess it up. (laughs) You do know there's hypocrites in every church. And there's one behind this pulpit. What I want our church to be is a place where its members recognize we're all broken people. Trying to minister to broken people. We're all a bunch of nobodies. Trying to tell everybody about somebody who can change anybody. That's all we are Christians have bad days at work too Christians say things they shouldn't say too. Christians go through really bad seasons Christians cuss they shouldn't but they do Christian husbands treat their wives bad they shouldn't but they do why Christians are sinners Let me encourage you to not make your commitment to church membership dependent on the actions of another person. Because even if you find a church where the church members are everything you think they should be, eventually they won't be everything you think they should be. Then what do you do? Skepticism is a huge hang up. Let me encourage you to exercise your faith in those areas in which you're skeptical. And obey, even if you have some doubts because it's the right thing to do. So, in closing, some of you have heard this sermon and you know immediately that you need to take the step to join our church. You know that. So, what I want you to do today, if you know that, is take a Connect card out, write your name on it, your contact info, and write on there, check the mark that you're interested in joining the church. And then I'll contact you. Brother David will contact you. And we'd love to sit down with you and begin the membership process. Others in here are still unsure. And that's okay. I don't expect one sermon to answer all your questions or resolve every fear that you have about church membership. What I'd recommend you do is take our First Steps class. And so what you should do is just take out the Connect card because First Steps isn't committing to church membership at all. It's just getting more information about it. Just say I'm interested in First Steps, Brother David will contact you. Drop those Connect cards in the offering plate as our guests will hopefully do at the end of the service today. And then if you're not really interested in that first step, Scott's like, I don't even want to do that. But I'll sit down with the pastor. Then informally, let's do that. Let's go out for lunch. You buy, but we'll go out to lunch. <laughs> and we'll talk about it. No pressure at all. I just, I'd I, I like to answer your questions. And then there are some, you've been through first steps. You've heard a message like this before, and you love Fellowship Baptist Church, but you're, you still haven't pulled the trigger. On, on this level of commitment. Maybe today this is the exact message you needed to hear. Maybe you needed a little push in the back to do what you know God has wanted you to do for some time now. It's not that you've been rebellious and saying, God, no, no, no. You've just been, you've just been saying this to God, not now. Not now. So it might not be rebellion, it might just be procrastination. And I want to encourage you to stop procrastinating and just do what God's telling you to do. Activate your faith today. It's a little bit scary. Don't think you've got to have all your ducks in a row to become a a church member. You don't. Just commit and let's grow from there. We're not keeping track of the progress you you make on these things. These are just, this is a map for you. Just commit and let's see what God does in your life. Right? To help you, I want to show you a video. Brother Eli put this together. Uh, Nick and Faye Zimmerman gave us a testimony. They joined the church. Was Was it last year or the year before? Last year, wasn't it? Yeah, they joined the church last year and uh, went through the right processes of of joining the church. And they had just, they had jumped in not to the shallow end of our church, but the deep end of our church in a really short amount of time. And I'm so proud of them. Thankful that they're part of the Fellowship family. I want you to hear their story because it might resonate with where you're at right now in your spiritual journey. Let's play that video.
1: We heard first about Fellowship Baptist Church just Coming into town, when you drive into town, if you drive down the whole length of Highway 54, you just can't miss it. And then working for the school, of course, it didn't take me very long before I was. I met Tyler uh, Prater, and he, uh, of course, is always always talking about church. And and uh, uh, he informed us that you know that he was the youth pastor, and and uh, we just started started a conversation, of uh, friendship at that point years and years ago, a long, long time ago. Uh, My family has been in in church our entire life. We, uh, my parents worked for churches growing up, um, multiple churches, the Presbyterian Church, the Christian Church, the Methodist Church. I mean, we grew up in church all the time. If we didn't, if we weren't attending church, we were there helping, mom and dad do with, do whatever they were doing maintenance wise or secretarial work or whatever. So been in church
2: my whole life. I was born and raised Nazarene. I've gone to the Nazarene church since I was born, um, just off and on. And we were just looking for, we didn't feel like we had any more room to grow at the church. So we were trying to find somewhere we can t- continue to grow. Like we started the 1st of May and we were in that first baptismal service at the end of May. Um, I know Pastor Tyler had wanted to meet with us and just to get our thoughts, our inputs, where we came from, what we believed, kind of fast track us through the first steps and hey, we have baptism next week. You want to be in it? Okay.
1: There was a lot about the fellowship family that made us want to be a part of that. I had been talking to people, uh, members leading up to our first Sunday year. Uh, We finished out um, the fiscal year or the church year at our previous church. Everything just fell into place. Everybody was super welcoming. Um, I had been talking to, to Pastor Tyler months and months and months in advance and I'd and asked him for prayer and just guidance and wisdom and direction and, and uh, all of that. And so the transition was super easy, in my, in my opinion, every, every, everything, everything worked seamlessly. The people were great, staff was great. I mean you just couldn't just couldn't ask for a better transition.
2: And the kids, they really clung to their Sunday school teachers almost immediately. So that was a big relief as well, that they felt accepted just like we did.
1: I think the Lord worked all that out. I think the Lord worked all that out with all the kids. They just felt right at home from the very get go. You know, all the teachers made the kids feel really welcome and, and loved and so the lord just opened all the doors and when he opens them that wide and makes it that plain i think you just walk through you just walk through the door and you just i mean nobody's perfect you know yeah if you've been a christian for 10 minutes you know that you know nobody's perfect church isn't isn't perfect it's made up of of flawed people of sinners and and uh you know that's not gonna that's not gonna change until we until uh, we're on the other side of glory. And so, you know, you, you don't have unrealistic expectations. Like, you know, this is going to be, you know, perfect. And, you know, everybody's going to get along 100% of the time. And there's not going to be any issues and no, uh, you know, no no dissension or disputes or anything like that. I mean, yeah, there was never uh, like a... Hesitation. Uh, hesitation or, uh, you know, are we gonna join or are we not gonna join? It was, you know, we had had approached it with a lot of prayer mm-hmm. and I just knew this is where the Lord wanted us. And so we were we were on board from the get-go from mm-hmm. day one. I mean, we came in day one and, and uh, you know, we were in connection groups on day one and, and uh, haven't looked back, so.
2: Yeah, I really think that first day we found home yeah in the church
1: yeah everything I mean we just felt like God was confirming all of our uh, what we what we felt him leading us to do and to go we felt God leading us here and then when we got here just really felt like okay that's all the confirmation we need that we're in the right we're in the right location we're in the right spot God is working here and and uh So that's what we wanted.
0: I believe with all my heart there's some more Nick and Faye Zimmermans even sitting among our congregation this morning. And we never want to manipulate or manufacture or push too hard. We We just want to put it out there what church membership is and let you process that. But at some point, listen, my friend, you've got to make a choice of faith. You just do. you got to jump in and say, this is, this is Christ's bride. I'm going to attach myself to it. I'm going to give my life to it. And nothing is going to keep me away from it. And, and I'll hope, I, I hope that maybe today's message, maybe that testimony today, has just solidified in your heart. You know what? Let's get, let's get this done. And if that's the case, mark your Connect card. See me in the foyer today. Or if you just need to process it more, process it. Ask any questions. You need to ask. I'd love to walk you through that. Would you stand to your feet